presence heals. Unconditional presence heals. Very often when we create the shadow, when we disown a part of ourselves, it's because we do not want to be present with that part of ourselves. We don't want to be present with that. And be, and what we are doing um, subliminally is signaling to that part of ourselves, you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here. So that abandonment, we are also perpetrating the abandonment with ourselves. Because we are actively rejecting what we refuse to be present with. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, so let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Xavier Dagba. Xavier is a trauma-informed, transformational life coach, shadow work facilitator, intuitive healer, and EFT practitioner. He loves to think of himself as an emotional alchemist. It is his belief that personal freedom can only be achieved when we allow ourselves to welcome the wisdom hidden within every emotional state, good or bad. Xavier's own transformational journey brought him to dive into the universe of shadow work, and he tends to think that only when you are willing to integrate your shadow can you fully claim your power. Xavier, it is an honor to be with you. Welcome. It's an honor to be with you, Drew. My absolute pleasure to be here. I'm excited for this conversation and where it's going to go. Like I'm deeply excited to be here. That's so cool. Yeah, you never know where it's going to go, but uh, I'm so happy to be with you today. And uh, Xavier, maybe just start by just telling a little bit about your story. I've heard you talk a little bit about, you know, studying up in Canada and eventually having to drop out of school and just some deep depression that that went along with it. Maybe just tell the listeners about your story. Yeah. So my story is, um, you know, um, I started this journey, I would say, a little over eight years ago and not really knowing what I was looking for. Because initially I came to Canada when I was 24, um, you know, like eight um almost nine years ago, you know, for a PhD program. I had a scholarship at the university for, you know, to the University of Montreal. And, you know, that's what I thought I wanted to do with my life. That's what I thought I wanted. And not even one year into the program, I just felt a deep misalignment where with the with the destination where I was seeing my life going. You know, it was just like, is it really what I want to do with the rest of my life? Teaching this, doing research, um, publishing articles. Is it really what I want to do with my life? And, you know, I started up, I was already on a spiritual journey, you know, um, learning from teachers like Wynn Dyer and Louise Hay and, you know, all these spiritual teachers, Alan Watts, and reading about them for a long time. I was already in, you know, that kind of universe. and. You know, part of me was just like, no, you know, for some reason, I just can't keep going this way. So I made the decision to kind of leave. You know, I resisted that decision. But in 20, 
2013, 2014, really, I allowed it to happen. And, um, you know, the, the biggest part that created the depression was just like the massive rejection that unfolded from family, from friends. And also because I was a pretty good student, you know, in order to have a scholarship, usually you need to have the grades that will validate um, that kind of offer. So it didn't make sense to them. Like, what would you do with that? What would you ruin your life? And part of me felt like I was kind of betraying myself even because it took me so many years and, you know, um, nights of studying to just get there. And I was like, you know, it's sometimes you, you make that decision and it's, there is this deep divide inside of you. Am I really right? What am I really doing with my life here? What is, you know, am I seriously ruining my life? Are they right? Or, you know, and that questioning can be very, very painful. And one of my teachers always says, um, depression is a pain to avoid a deeper pain. And I kept myself in that state for a long time, meaning I kept myself in that state of like uh, being in deep depression because I was avoiding diving deeper into what was actually in there. And there was a lot of repressed emotions, a lot of deep shame, a lot of deep anger that, were, that was in there that I had to work through. And that ultimately set me on the path um, um, that I'm on today. So this is what I can say about myself. And um, now what I help people do is basically reclaiming their own um, sovereignty, creative power, if you want to put it that way, and just ability to create their life in a, in a sovereign way. So um, this is what I could say as an introduction. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the other thing I found really interesting is you, you also have talked about um, Xavier, that when you were when you were in Canada, you know, you were you were going through this deep depression, and you were also financially, as you said, financially broke. And so by yeah. necessity, you had to experiment on yourself with different healing techniques. And I found that really fascinating. Yes. And, you know, I'm still in Canada, you know, I, I just live in another province now. Oh, but okay. <laughs> I did, yeah, I'm still here. There we go. Um, All right, cool. So the thing was, I've had to go through, you know, just like understanding what was happening with me. And it's like the loneliness of the journey as well at the time. Because I was alone in that journey, I basically lost most of my friends when I made the decision to leave. And some of them didn't understand me. And I didn't even have the energy and the mental capacity to begin to try justifying myself and explaining myself and all of that. So I just pushed everyone away. That was my first reaction. That was like, you know, a survival kind of reaction because everyone was just so critical around me. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't see it. And that's the first thing. Usually most people won't see what you can feel. And sometimes you can't see it clearly yourself, but you can just feel that something is deeply not in alignment anymore and you're invited to make a change. And this is what I did. So back then, you know, you start feeling this deep, deep separation and all my kind of like coping mechanism for coping mechanisms started coming online like weird you know binge eating um all the pervasive ways that i had to avoid pain you know and i was like no i need to do something about it i got a, I there was a part of me reactively that wanted to prove them wrong so 
I started kind of experimenting with the healing work. EFT was one of the first because I knew emotionally there was a place where I wasn't allowing myself to go. So emotional freedom technique is one of the first thing that I tried, you know, reading about it, getting a mini course here, a mini course there, because that's all I could afford, you know, when I could have like uh, $50, like a hundred bucks to put into a mini course, I would do it. And that was my, I couldn't afford to go to have any therapy or coaching or, or any of these things. So I would just like learn, read, learn, learn. This is, that's all I spend my time doing and learning and learning some more. So progressively, I started bringing myself into that, into that rabbit hole of transformation where you're invited to meet your own darkness, I would say. I, I really had no choice. I tried to run away from it. But when you go back to your own small apartment by yourself with your own thoughts, you know, it just starts creeping in again, the anxiety and not being able to sleep. So that was my reality. Wow. And I know a big part of your work that I just find so fascinating, Xavier, is the shadow work. And yeah. it, it reminded me of a quote, you, you've probably heard of it before, from the, the Buddhist nun, Pema Chodron, where she said, yes. nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. And I'd love to just tell, for you to tell the listeners about what shadow work is. Yeah. You know, shadow work is the practice of really integrating what we have disowned, what we have pushed in the dark, you know. And, you know, the quote that you gave right now is so beautiful because nothing truly goes away. I'm going to give you an example. You know, from age zero to seven, psychologists say we just, we are just these sponges. You know, we absorb everything. We observe, we absorb. We observe, we absorb. So there are many things that we assimilate that are in our consciousness and some of them, you know, at some point in time, we try, we start creating that self-concept, that idea of who we are. We start saying, okay, this is who Drew is going to be from now on. This aspect of me, dad doesn't like it, or mom doesn't like it, or at school when I show up this thing, you know, I get shamed for it. So I'm going to disown this. I'm going to push it down. In my case, you was like, you know, you too sensitive growing up crying all the time. And then at some point I was like, I'm going to disown that part. I'm going to numb it down. I'm going to turn it off. But turning it off, it doesn't mean that it's not part of me anymore. It just means I put it in the shadow. Mm. You know, that's only what it means in that moment. So I get to this point in my adult life where I made this big decision to drop out of university. And then all that abandonment, all that emotionality that I had disowned is deeply triggered because people are projecting shame onto me massively. You know, like this is stupid, this you 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 really stupid doing this and blah 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 and blah blah blah. They are projecting shame onto me massively. And a big part of the shame that I had experienced growing up was actually suppressed. So it was bringing all of that up, you know, bringing up, putting back online that initial wound of shame. So shadow work is that practice of reclaiming every single aspect of your consciousness as best you can and becoming intimate with it. That's really the key word, like really becoming intimate with it. Because if you are not intimate with an aspect of you, it can take over and really hijack the way you are showing up in 
your life today. It can take over. The reason why people are talking about self-sabotage, which is, in my opinion, just the activation of a shadow aspect, a need that has been pushed in a shadow that is not really fully met. It's because something, you know, they, they are aware of their conscious desire, but for some reason, something, um, sometimes we say, okay, just lack of free will. Um, they are just lazy or all of that. We can look at this this way, or we can dive in deeper. Maybe there's just another shadow aspect that just took over in that moment. So the more we become intimate with what was disowned, the more we can have conscious control or conscious leadership. I don't want to use too much the word control, but just like we can lead consciously our lives from the heart and not from wounded aspects that have not been healed fully. So this is what I can say about shadow work in general. Mm. Xavier, I've heard you say that before about leading our leading from our hearts as opposed to our wounds. Yes. I mean, that is such a powerful a powerful thing because it does seem like so many of us are are leading our lives from our wounds. Yes, it's you know, it's so it's so especially in this time it is so critical because very often we tend to lead our lives from our reactivity. We tend to lead our lives from like responding to um let's say even manifesting relationship that are just an expression of previous bonds that we've had before with the caregiver um so we tend to just recreate opportunities to heal and this is how i i, I like to see it we tend to recreate opportunities to heal and integrate and when you allow yourself to do the work of like integration and healing that is actually necessary what you do is you tend to create now consciously. I'm, go I'm gonna give you an example. Somebody that's in, um, that is in an abusive relationship where they are not fully being respected and honored the way they are aware they would like to be respected and honored, but for some reason they can't or they won't get out of the relationship. Very often it's because a shadow aspect has taken over. In the, a shadow aspect that needs to be integrated so that they can actually reclaim conscious leadership and be and say, I am not available for this anymore. Or I am not available for this. Or actually do set the, the radical kind of boundaries that could shift the relationship and turn it around. So very often, this is what we're doing. We go through life living through coping mechanisms not necessarily choosing consciously in a way that honors our highest good in a moment. Mm, mm, wow. That, that is so powerful. That idea, like you, just to go back to what you said of integrating the shadow and not just integrating it, but as you said, becoming intimate with these, yes. these, you know, I guess you, I, I don't know. I would, I would call them negative aspects, but, but in your mind, they're not really negative or positive, right? Yes. Yes. They're not negative at all. You know, people can have joy in their shadow, you know, which is a really pleasant. And I, I, I would I would actually call it pleasant or unpleasant or, you know, elevated or dense rather than positive or negative. Because when we place the connotation of negative, initially the mind is wired for resistance. The mind doesn't want to go there. You're telling me this is negative and that I have to go there? You're crazy. This is the language of the ego. Because the ego, the mind, is wired for your safety. And even the ego, very often people think, i got to wrestle this thing down to the ground so that I can elevate myself and, and, and grow. But really, we are invited to we grow with the ego. 
we understand the need of the ego. We integrate even the ego, you know, and begin to create from this place of acknowledging the humanness and acknowledging that we are, you know, at least this is my belief, spiritual beings first. So the, the conversation here is really to become intimate with all these parts. And intimate means really awareness, acceptance, compassion with these parts. Awareness, acceptance, and compassion. When you bring compassion to a wounded part of you, it discharges the, it discharges the density that was here. It discharges the shame. It discharges the guilt. You know, it discharges all the negative connotation or the, den the density that was associated with this part of you. When you bring acceptance to that part of you, you, you discharge it from what was causing you to run away from it. And then, now you can see it being activated. And because you can see it, you can make a different choice. So the, the, that integration aspect of shadow work is really creating deep intimacy with the parts of you. You know, I use I, I, I practice a lot of martial arts as a way to kind of like um, discharge my emotions. And I remember having a, a, a teacher or a master, how they we would call them. He would say, if you are not intimate with your capacity to hurt, then you can hurt pretty bad. If you don't know deeply how how hurtful you can be with your body, with your arms, with your fists, with your legs, then you can hurt pretty bad. But if you know deeply how far these this, um, hands and limbs can hurt, and you are very intimate with the, the expression of that, meaning the surge of adrenaline and all of that that usually fills the body when you are actually brutal, then you're not a safe person to be around. And this is what he would tell us. And I only got the meaning of all of this when I started doing shadow work. So this is what I can say about, um, you know, that aspect of integration. Wow. And, and that seems so powerful about, you know, that, as you said, acceptance and compassion for ourselves, because I guess you yeah. kind of think of it like, you know, the, I guess the classic example is if you, you know, putting on your mask in an airplane, you have to put it on yourself first. And I guess yes. as a way to, to share that acceptance and compassion with others Absolutely. You know, it's so powerful and also, also it can be very challenging, especially about the aspects that we've been culturally conditioned to view as, you know, unlikable, unlovable, especially for those. You know, an example for men, it can be very challenging to have acceptance and compassion for their emotionality or sensitivity or for, the, for their heart. You know, really having that heart open that is capable of deeply feeling. Another example, nowadays, it can even be hard for men to be very compassionate with the pure, with the raw expression of masculinity. Because we, you know, on social everywhere, you're going to see it's toxic, mm. you know. So you will see very often people would like to, to push against it especially men that will really deeply feel shame because of their masculinity. They will try to push against it. They will try to suppress it. But the more you can actually become intimate with your raw masculinity, the more you can hold space for it, the more you can hold space for the most, 
brutal aspect of masculinity, the safest you are because you can see it unfold. You can hold space for it. You can still choose consciously even when all of that rises. And in my opinion, that is the safest expression of masculinity. So um, that aspect of like when uh, when a trait has been deeply um, viewed as, as challenging and lovable or hideous by society, and this has been your conditioning, it's even harder. For some people with anger, especially women, you know, if you're feeling, if you're angry, you're a bitch. This is usually part of the conditioning. You know, um, anger is bad. Anger is not spiritual. Anger this and anger that. Like a lot of um, things about anger because we confuse it with what it's not. We confuse it with so many things like hostility, which is something that we happen to do with anger. And we confuse it with so many things that it's not like aggression, which is not, it, it is anger. You know, it's something we do with anger and not necessarily the right expression of anger. So the more we see something as unacceptable by society, the harder it is to integrate that shadow aspect. And here's the catch. The more we allow ourselves, not the catch, but the, the, the beautiful thing, the more we allow ourselves to integrate, especially and precisely these things, the more we set ourselves free. Mm-hmm. And this is really the invitation of shadow work. Wow. That is, that is amazing. I'm getting, I'm getting chills here, Xavier. This is uh, this is so powerful because I, I see the potential of all the ways yeah. we, we block ourselves and get in our own ways and sabotage ourselves. And this is to me, seems like at the root of everything. And, you know, you bring up the three magic words that have come up several times on this show. I've heard you say you need to give yourself permission to be present. Yeah with your emotion. And it's interesting, Xavier, I've heard that I had a travel writer on months and months ago. And he said, if you want to travel the world, he's like, the first thing you have to do is give yourself permission to follow your dreams. And I love how you say, give yourself permission to be present with all of your emotions, whatever they may be. Absolutely. You know, and there is an aspect of presence here that usually people are like, what do you mean being present? And I would like to clarify something about presence here. First, the intention behind presence, you know, um, I want to start with this thing. Presence heals. Unconditional presence heals. Very often when we create the shadow, when we disown a part of ourselves, it's because we do not want to be present with that part of ourselves. We don't want to be present with that. And be, and what we are doing um, subliminally is signaling to that part of ourselves, you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here. So that abandonment, we are also perpetrating the abandonment with ourselves because we are actively rejecting what we refuse to be present with. So that's the first thing. Now, that aspect of presence is also important because the more we allow ourselves to be present with the dance, as much as we are willing to be present with the beautiful, the more we allow ourselves to be present with the joy, with joy, as much as we are willing to be present with pain and grief and rage even. Now we become, um, the, here is something that we are not doing anymore. We are not being a fair weather friend to ourselves anymore. 
And this is really the intention. And the aspect of present that I really want to amplify here is an aspect of like embracing the raw nature of an emotional state. And this is what, I, and, and this is really interesting. Very often we wrapped an emotional state with narratives. We wrapped an emotional state with stories. You know, if I'm feeling sad, then I am. If I'm feeling angry, then I am. If I'm feeling rage, then I am. If I'm feeling this way, then this person, you know, um, took advantage of me or this or that or that. You know, the stories and the narratives, they are usually um, distracting us from the true nature, from the raw emotional state. And when we allow ourselves to really dive into the true nature of that raw emotional state, what am I experiencing? Not what am I telling myself about what I'm experiencing? What am I experiencing? What is going on in my body? What is going on in my chest? What is going on in my gut? What am I experiencing? Can I be with it? And the more we allow to be with it and to open up, to, to open up our heart to include every single emotional state, every single somatic a manifestation of that emotional state, the more we liberate ourselves as, as well. So this is what I can say about that key aspect of presence. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love how you say that presence is healing. Um, and Xavier, would you say that this is sort of the root of addiction as far as not wanting to be present with that raw emotion? Um, honestly, um, I will, I'm going to have a little bit of reserve, but uh, in my opinion, it's an absolute yes. In my opinion, the root cause of like addiction is there is something that we don't want to be present with. There is something, there is an aspect of ourselves. There is an emotional signature that we're running away from for very, sometimes for, for many people, it's going to be a deep feeling of shame you know, a deep feeling of shame. And very often people that I've worked with that had um, issues with addiction had this core belief, there is something broken with me. There's something wrong with me, you know? And this is a belief that is anchoring deep shame within their consciousness. So very often I would say addiction issues have to do with like parts of us that we are not really willing to be present with. Therefore, we tap out, we numb, we try to dissociate as best we can, whether we're using substances, whether we're using something else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, so, Xavier, you talked a little bit before about EFT, emotional freedom technique. Um, this yeah. has come up in several episodes we've already done. I, I use it myself, um, the tapping and breathing techniques. Is this something that yeah. you still use as a healing tool? This is something that I still use as, as a healing tool, you know, um, when needed um, for myself and even with clients that I work with. Um, and again, I see it mostly as a tool, but there is a deep significance about tapping and the emotional freedom technique. It's like it puts you first, it works with your meridian system, which is um, what in Chinese medicine is understood to be that that flow system of energy that we have in the body 
And, um, you know, if you've read a few books about um, trauma and pain, and um, you're going to see that the, the common belief is that trauma is stored in the body. And the more you involve the body in that experience and in that release of all that emotional charge, the more you allow yourself to um, heal at a deeper level. So EFT can be a great tool, and it, and really it can be when it's done really properly. It can be a great tool to release dense emotions, to release difficult, difficult emotions, to move through blocks, because it allows you to basically talk to your subconscious indirectly or directly. And this is really what is what is happening in there. When you're tapping on these meridians, when you're saying all these statements, when you're talking to yourself as you're tapping, you are addressing, you are sending instruction to your subconscious that is pretty much super conscious when EFT is really done in a proper way. And um, it allows you not only to rewire emotionally, but also um, cognitively to a certain point. So this is the beauty of that tool. That's great. That's great. Um, Xavier, if we were sort of behind the scenes with you in Canada, um, what are some of the yeah. daily practices or rituals that you do every day to keep you more centered and peaceful? Um, daily practices, meditation has been a big part of my journey. And of course, you know, uh, I'm not saying that it should be a part of um, the journey of anyone, anyone uh, listening to this. Um, because resonance is whenever we are uh, pondering, taking on a new tool, I'm, I'm always suggesting resonance. Am I resonating with this? What is my body? What is my heart telling me about this tool? What am I feeling about this tool? And really allow yourself to tune into the body rather than diving into the narrative that are coming up because very often the ego can be sneaky and we don't want to dive into a tool just because it could open a can of worms that we actually need to dive into. So um, meditation is part of my tools. Um, grounding myself, whether it's just like having my feet flat on the floor outside and I try to do that in almost all weather, whether it's cold, whether it's winter, whether it's like, you know, having my feet flat on the floor and really breathing as I'm allowing myself to do that because we are electric beings as well. And the same way electricity flows into the earth to get discharged, the same way we can do that because the body is not only receiving negative ions from the earth and at the same time, the, the dense electric charge, you know, the brain is electric. And the wiring and the firing that sometimes keeps us in a place of anxiety, Mother Earth can take it. So this is one of my big tools at the moment that is really effective and really um, easy to do for anyone. You know, you don't need you don't need to you just need to have your feet flat on the floor, open your lungs and breathe and really connect with the energy of nature. Um EFT, once in a while when I um, end up being, you know, faced with a, a really, really dense emotion that I just need to navigate, breath work is also a big part of my tools at the moment. And there are so many other tools that I've used and, you know, um, not that I'm not necessarily use, I'm not necessarily using anymore. But those are the three tools that I would say I still are still consistently here. But that deep aspect of presence. You know, when you when you become a practitioner of presence, it, bec um, it turns into that second nature. 
So you are almost always grounding when you allow yourself to be deeply present with what is going on within your body, within your mind. And this is the invitation that I have for almost everyone. Mm, that's great. Um, just a few final questions here. Um, Xavier, in your mind, what does it mean to be human? What it means to be human? That's a really interesting question. <laughs> the first the first thing that it means to be human is like making peace with the fact that we um, make mistakes, whatever mistakes are supposed to mean. Um, like we do things that usually to our self-concept uh, would appear to be wrong, um, would appear to be seen by others like stupid or crazy. That's what we do as humans. We show up in ways that others do not understand. We um, sometimes are being seen as villain in other people's eyes, even when we do things that uh, feel in alignment with who we are. What it means to be human is, you know, deeply um, loving the mundane because very often in the spiritual community, we just reach for that elevation, you know, that like joy all the time, like being in spirit all the time and being above circumstances. We are living in a 3D world, you know, we are living in this kind of like um, solid kind of world. And it is actually okay to find some sort of like joy in the mundane, joy in all of these little things that some people would say petty. Um, so really understanding, taking ownership of the needs of the human is a huge part of um, reclaiming that healing, that sovereignty. Taking full ownership of the needs of the human, the need for connection, sometimes even the need for belonging. We can find belonging on many different levels, you know, Initially, at a, um, when we, uh, from a wounded perspective, we tend to want belonging in the places where it doesn't really exist. We tend to look for belonging in the places where we have to sacrifice as parts of us, abandon ourselves to get belonging. But the more we grow and evolve, we understand, yes, belonging is still a need, but I can find it differently. I can find it within myself. I can find it within the places where I'm deeply accepted as I am, and really owning all the range of what it means to be human and what it means to have all these needs and what it means to take responsibility for all these needs and what it means sometimes to have doubt, to have fear, you know, like what it means sometimes to be anxious and not reject ourselves when we happen to feel anxious, when we happen to feel afraid, when we happen to feel triggered. You know, what it means to be human is just like opening ourselves to the whole, to the truth that we are always going to be a work in progress. We are always going to be a work in progress as much as long as we are in this human 3D body or quantum body, if you want to see it that way. And at the same time, we can keep welcoming, integrating, merging, embodying our spiritual essence. So... Um, this journey of healing doesn't need to exclude one to embrace the other. But when we can open our heart big enough to include both, all of it, all of the spectrum, you know, this is really what it means to me to uh, be on this journey as we are honoring the human in us. Oh, love that. 
Xavier, if you could travel back in time, I know I'm asking you all these heavy questions here, but if you could travel <laughs> back, <laughs> if you could travel back in time, say 30 years, what words yes. of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self? Oh, that younger self was really, really, really tuned in. Um, if I could go back in time, what would I really share? It's really <laughs> interesting because it's really interesting because from this perspective, I can, I can see that I'll just say thank you, honestly. Mm -hmm. I'll just look at the little guy and I'll be like, thank you. You know, thank you for not giving up. You know, thank you for all the journey that's ahead. Thank you for the mistakes that you will make. And, you know, thank you for, I'll just meet that little boy with a deep thank you. Like I wouldn't necessarily at this point, I wouldn't necessarily try to alter the journey or try to give him some, like the more I, something that I've witnessed when I allowed myself to dive into that inner child kind of work, the more I've done inner, inner child work, the more I, I've realized that this inner child was equipped more than I ever thought. Mm. And I would just like dive in there and be like, I'm rooting for you. You know, just thank you. Keep going. That's it. Honestly. Mm. Um, yeah, because that little boy, he had everything he needed in him and he eventually did it. He eventually allowed himself to navigate everything that he had, he had to navigate growing up in Africa with all the, you know, the, the conditioning that he had back then. And um, yeah, surrendering to this work. I would just go back and be like, I'm cheering for you, man. Like, I got your back. Like, I'm really just cheering for you. Know that at some point in time, when my turn comes to take the reins, I will honor your needs and I will always listen to you, but keep going. Mm, that's beautiful. Xavier, where's the best place for people to go that want to learn about you, work with you, find out about your work? Well, um, people want to find me, my website, xavierdagba.com. They can find me there. They can find my offers. I'm very, very active on, on Instagram. This is the place where I like to create. So people can find me on Instagram, xavier.dagba on Instagram. So this is where I hang out um, the most. But um, yeah. Um, this is where they can find me and thank you for offering for giving me the possibility to share that here thank you so much oh it was an honor great being with you today my friend it was an absolute pleasure drew please keep doing this work it is so much needed that awareness that you bring in and the caliber of guests that you're bringing here it's so needed and i'm just deeply honored that i was considered to be on your show Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.